Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program, uh, ready for you to join in. We'll be easy on you on the phone calls. I got to read you two separate articles. Um, the first one is from Time Magazine. You, you may remember Time Magazine. It used to be a thing. And it's from this morning. You're going to notice a theme here. Bear with me. From Time Magazine. It keeps happening. Every summer, unprecedented heat surges through cities across the United States. In Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Maryland, Virginia, New Jersey. Last week, a heat wave melted records in Texas with unrelenting highs well into the hundreds for days. And just when residents need it the most, the electrical grid fails. Every year, hundreds die from heat-related illness in the United States, and thousands more end up in emergency rooms from heat stress. Compared to other weather-related disasters, the emergency response to extreme heat from U.S. leaders has been minimal. As a result, many places remain unprepared. How, then, do we make our cities more resilient? Skip down to the key part. Many of us living in the United States assume we have the best solution, air conditioning. The U.S. uses more energy for cooling per person than any other nation on the planet. In 2016, 328 million Americans, that's less than 5% of the world's population, guzzled more energy for cooling than the 4.4 billion people living in all of Africa, Latin America, the Middle East, and Asia, with the exception of China. More than half of global cooling-related emissions come from China and the U.S. combined. For comparison, the United States uses almost as much energy for cooling as the 1.2 billion people of Africa use for everything all year. In other words, you got to give up your air conditioner. Notice what this guy doesn't say is that uh, Africa is a less developed area, and so Africans don't actually have access to air conditioners, and the left around the world, the progressive left, has worked very hard to stop Africa from being able to get air conditioners. Now there's another one. This is from Paul Hocknos at CNN. He's a Berlin-based writer focusing on renewable energy. American friends visiting my downtown Berlin apartment at the height of summer always scoff at my rinky-dink plastic fan propped up on a bookshelf above my desk. Inevitably, they go on to moan about the stuffy, sweaty restaurants and nightclubs that go without air conditioning as if it had never been invented. For their part, Europeans had until recently done their own grousing about Americans' infatuation with air conditioning. So wasteful is its high energy uses, unhealthy with the frosty temperatures in midsummer, and annoying given the incessant buzz of the window units. Air conditioning was seen as yet another luxury item of an everything-all-the-time population that insisted on a constant temperature all year round. And they gave no thought of its environmental implications. But the planet's recent record-breaking heat waves and the desperate urge to stay cool has Europeans rethinking their prejudice and shelling out for indoor cooling systems. In Europe, just 20% of homes have AC units. In the US, in the UK, suffering its highest record temperatures is less than 5%. In Germany, it's only 3%. 90% of the United States has air conditioning. 
There's been a wild run on America's luxurious eyesore this summer, which in 100-degree-plus weather is no longer considered a luxury. Since 2000, when temperatures began to spike noticeably, the numbers of homes and businesses opting for AC has risen. Yet again, they're urging you to give up your air conditioning. Plant more trees, they say. Spray more water to cool the roads. Paint the roads white. Get rid of black roofs. The stress on the energy grid is too much. This is one of the weirdest phenomenon of the so-called progressives. They don't really like progress, the progressives. They want progress in your bedroom, just not in the rest of your house. They want all of us to have an abortion and engage in in various sex acts. But they don't want us to turn on the air conditioner while we do it. They don't want us to progress. They certainly don't want Africa to get air conditioners. I mean, look at the data here that this guy recounts of how few people in Europe have air conditioners. It's generally cooler in Europe than here. What most people don't understand and don't get because they don't look at the globe, they look at the flat, what is it, the Mercator map design or whatever. Uh, most of Europe is actually uh, far north. I mean, southern Rome, for example, gets as far south as Washington, D.C., London is well up there north of Canada. Most of Europe lies on latitude lines uh, above the northern United States and into Canada. It tends to be cooler there. Heat waves are actually rather anomalous there. They're happening more often. Climate change, what have you, natural phenomenon, human-made. It's happening more often. They don't have air conditioner. They tend to be milder, cooler climates. We, however, tend to be further south. There's a reason so much more of the United States has air conditioning. We are a massive country on latitudes far south of Europe, far closer to the equator where it's warm. And we are highly industrialized, developed. We've spread across various regions of this country, uh, swamps and deserts, you name it. And we want air conditioning. There's nothing wrong with air conditioning. And yet every freaking summer these days, The American press and the European press, they all come out and say, essentially, start eating bugs and turn off your air conditioner. Sweat. You've got to repent for causing global warming. I'm sorry. I have a hard time thinking anyone is going to take these people seriously when their solution is to eat bugs and sweat. Eating bugs and sweating is not really a compelling way to convince me to actually go out and embrace the climate change environmental elite phenomenon and turn off my air conditioner, get rid of my SUV, uh, stop putting on deodorant and stink up like a hippie. I'm not going to do it. I like my air conditioner. I like my big SUV. It holds my family, dog, and all of our stuff when we travel. I'm not going to give it up. And I'm not going to start eating bugs. One of the, the things that just bothers me greatly is the impossible burger, the beyond burger. It, it's not a it, phenomenon. It's not a coincidence that in the age of, of where men can decide they're women, um, synthetic hemoglobin and plants can decide their meat. 
I, I, I got to be clear here because my gosh, you can't have this conversation with the left. It drives them insane. I don't care if you eat the impossible burger or the beyond burger. I don't care. The fact that you care greatly that I don't want to eat it is what bothers me. Delta Airlines, I was flying home from Salt Lake this weekend. They wanted to serve the Impossible Burger on the plane. Didn't want to eat the Impossible Burger. They didn't want to give me a real burger. It was a cold chicken salad that was gross or an Impossible Burger. I didn't eat on the plane. You go to more and more restaurants. I was in a restaurant last week. And they were swapping out all of their uh, meat products for impossible products and beyond products for some sort of demonstration that they're just the same. They're not. You can taste the difference. Over at my beloved Publix, they've got an entire freezer section devoted to all of these synthetic and fake meat products. You know when there was the food shortage at the grocery store and everything was empty? That section of the grocery store was not empty. That stuff was all still there. Nobody wanted the impossible and beyond meat. They wanted the real thing. And yet the left is convinced we must. And this is what drives them crazy. You talk about this thing. Nobody's telling you you have to eat it. Why do you care? And yet they do. You get on Delta Airlines, they want to serve the impossible crap to you or the beyond crap, whichever version they have. You go to McDonald's or Burger King in particular now, they want to give you their impossible burger. I don't want your impossible burger. It's impossible for me to eat your impossible burger. You've told me for 40 years that the least processed, least least synthetic food is the best for me. And now to save the planet, not me to save the planet, not me, you want me to eat the most processed, most synthetic chemically compounded fake meat on the planet, not to save me or to do me good, but to supposedly do the planet good. I'm sorry, the energy output for your impossible burger has a larger carbon footprint than a cow. And is it nearly as tasty? You've come close, not all the way. Can't beat the real thing. But that's their solution. I don't. I mean, who's in charge of the marketing for the environmentalist movement? Every year, the Washington Post and CNN and the New York Times they run stories on how tasty bugs are for you. You should eat the locusts. Here, here's a bowl of ants for you. They're all dead. Don't worry about it. They taste just like crickets, and crickets taste like Impossible Chicken. An impossible chicken tastes like beyond chicken, and neither of them taste like the real thing, but they're kind of close. You, too, can get salmonella from the fake meat. And also, turn off your air conditioner and sweat. The branding for the environmentalist movement is awful. And they take advantage. Remember, they used to have all the global warming conferences during the winter, and there was always a snowstorm. There was always a massive snowstorm. You'd have Al Gore out there saying, we've got to get on. The world is going to change and the global warming, and we're all going to die, and we got 10 years left, and, and we got to do something. And then you'd have this massive blizzard, and people would laugh and say, wait a second, I thought it, was, it wasn't going to snow again. I mean, remember the Obama administration back in 2009 put up signs at Glacier National Park, lamenting that by 2020, the glaciers would be gone because of climate change. The signs are now gone. The glaciers are still there. God has a sense of humor. The branding of this, we've got 10 more years. They've been telling me you got a decade left or we're all going to die for about four decades now. 
I remember the 1980s when they flipped from global cooling to global warming, and they started by the the late 80s, the greenhouse gas effect. We're all gonna we're going to turn into Venus, and we're all going to die. And yet we haven't. You know, uh, I I saw uh, Matt Walsh works for Daily Wire. He was. Um, lambasting the whole fight against chlorofluorocarbons and the ozone layer and stuff. And that was a real fight. I remember that. I was a lot. I don't know that he was born at the time. I remember that in the 80s. It actually was a real thing. There were chemicals that were spewing into the atmosphere that were degrading the ozone layer. The ozone layer keeps out a lot of UV light. A hole had opened over the Antarctic, and the entire world came together, communist and capitalist, west and east, north and south, and banned hydrofluorocarbons. It was a great come-together story for the entire planet. Everybody agreed. The science was settled. And you know what? The ozone layer healed itself. Or acid rain in the 70s when I was a kid living in South Louisiana uh, before we moved to Dubai uh, with the, the oil oil industry and stuff and, and sulfuric acid and killing trees and polluting water. It actually was a thing. And the whole world came together and, and we fought this and we won. What's so remarkable is that we can't all come together on climate change, not because there's some grand cabal of conservatives denying it's real, but because the very people who tell us it's real don't act like it's real. They're still on their private jets going to Davos. They've still got their McMansions. They're still eating their steaks, too. They tell us this is real. You know, all these people were willing to give up hydrofluorocarbons. They were willing to get rid of it. They were willing to, to all these companies around the world were willing to upgrade to get rid of acid rain. None of them are really willing to make changes. They want you to eat bugs and eat fake meat, but they don't want to. It's a big juxtaposition here between the, the ozone layer fight and the acid rain fight and the climate change fight, all the people who demand that you care about climate change are the ones telling you you've got to change your lifestyle and they'll wait for us to do it. I'm not going to change. You know, every three years I get a new SUV. Why? Because I put about 100,000 miles on an SUV every three years. I drive that much. So in another year or two, I'll get an upgraded car and it'll be another giant SUV to hold my whole family. And I'll fly on planes and I'll eat my hamburgers, and they will all tut-tut and say, this is bad, and you're wrong, and you should be eating locusts and impossible foods instead. And them, they'll be doing exactly what I'm doing. They'll just be scowling at me for doing it. Maybe if the environmentalists weren't such angry hypocrites, people would take them seriously. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep, the sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bolin Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them, and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They they're, just, they're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Bolin Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolinBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a broadcast reader, we use Bowling Branch. You should too. BowlingBranch.com for 20% off site-wide.
This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan nationwide. Wherever you are, they can help your business grow. If you need loans, $750,000 or more, reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com. Get all their contact info, spend 10 minutes with them, seeing if you're a good fit for them, them for you, and tell them I sent you, firstlibertyga.com. I want to go back to the phones here. Dickie, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the program. How are you? Eric, thank you so much. I'm disguising my voice so that my professional peers will not shun me over my comment. (laughs) Well, yeah, you better be careful here. They're they're a little sensitive. Yes, I'm old enough that when in in the 70s, when I was in school, we were assured that the world was going to freeze. And then not long ago, when the Green New Deal was proposed, I thought it would be laughed out of town. It was so crazy. Mm -hmm. But... The design professions, the leadership in the design professions grabbed hold of that because they thought, wow, we're going to get a lot of work out of this thing. So they all ran to it almost like lemmings in a way, not necessarily, but that's arguable. But it, it really bothered me the way certain professions and people and so forth went gaga over the green stuff and it's important but it's it's not what it's purported to be the the lead buildings the 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 lead standard and and all all i've had and you know i've I've had like probably half of one six dozen of the other depending on which side you're on tell me that um they're either really good standards or they're great for a few years but they tend to degrade quicker than traditional products uh these new, new green buildings people are having um and but yet so many people are pushed into building them like that it it is it is an approach that was properly uh, pursued years and years ago but it's become something that it's become more than it needs to be because it's a responsible way to create buildings and create places and so forth but it's gotten we've gotten carried away with it right yeah, I, you know, I, I like one day, so I, I got my buddy Vince up in Atlanta. One day I want him to build my house for me. I got an architect. I've always had, I've had this house in my head I want to build. And I would love to make it energy efficient and, and do all of that stuff if I had the money to be able to do. Uh, what I just, I, I, it cracks me up down in New Orleans after Katrina, all the Hollywood celebrities came in to help the poor people rebuild. And they were rebuilding these houses that couldn't stand up to the moisture and humidity and the storms of South Louisiana, but they were green environmentally friendly and they all patted themselves on the back and went away and now these people are in fallen down moldy houses uh that that weren't built for the climate in which they were built but they were supposedly environmentally friendly and i just like man you know build for where you live don't don't build your massive glass box in a desert yes yes absolutely thank you for uh for leading the parade and making think, making uh, making points about this, and well, uh, I appreciate you calling in and 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 don't get any blowback. Thank you very much, and have a great weekend. Uh, don't get any blowback from the yeah people. Architects are get really sensitive about this stuff. I would love to have a a, a house that is uh, very efficient, environmentally friendly, on a lot of land with no neighbors, a lot of land to bury the bodies of the people who come harass them. <laughs> but I mean seriously. 
But, uh, you know, you go down to South Louisiana to, to um, the wards of New Orleans where this Hollywood celebrities came in to rebuild and help people rebuild, and they put them all in these environmentally friendly houses that were not designed for the high humidity and storms and moisture of South Louisiana. And now all these houses, are they're environmental disasters, the mold and the mildew, the rot. Um, you get you, you you build differently in different environments, and they seem to have totally forgotten this idea that not everything is appropriate for every region. Hi there. Listen, um, I, I want to keep taking phone calls, but I, I gotta I have to get to this before I do anything. When I was at Red State, I, I, I some friends of mine started it and, and pretty immediately signed on day one from the website. Uh, back in 2004, left practice of law to become the managing editor of the site, CEO of the company. Uh, stayed until 2015. And at the end of 2015, I'd been there 10 years, longest job I'd ever had uh, and, until I had this one and decided it was time to move on and do my own thing. And one of the reasons was because I was doing more and more radio. It was hard to integrate my radio presence with the stuff at the website. The website had gotten bought by a competing radio company. It just became difficult. I wanted to go do my own thing. And for the longest time, I wanted to do group stuff. I didn't want to just be Eric Erickson. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of I've, I have over time accepted that I am Eric Erickson. This is the Eric Erickson show. And, and everything that I do is really uh, related around who I am, what I believe. And that's why people tune in. They're not tuning in for other voices and other groups. You you will hear me occasionally interview people here, but it's it's my show. It's not their show. I'm not at one of those radio show hosts who designs my show around a series of interviews over three hours. I want to analyze the news for you, tell you what's going on, and then tell you what I think about it, whether you agree or not, and take your phone calls if you agree or disagree. But along the way, back in 2009, I just I I, I did something. I would Twitter had come on about 2007, so it's 2009, and I just put out a tweet and said, hey, who wants to get together in real life for a beer in Atlanta? And hundreds of people said yes. I was like, oh, gosh. So I started planning this conference. My buddy Caleb Howe, who was helping me run Red State, he was an event planner, and we started putting this event together, and it just exploded. And we had hundreds of people come to Atlanta. Our very first time we did this, there was a woman running for governor in South Carolina named Nikki Haley. No one had ever heard of her. Uh, she came. There was this guy no one had ever heard of in Texas named Ted Cruz who was running. He came. Guy down in Florida no one had ever heard of outside of Florida named Marco Rubio. He came. Even Liz Cheney came. We had a number of Republicans, and, and the event just kind of exploded. And we, the next year, we did it in South Carolina uh, after Nikki Haley had, had – um, or no, we, we did it in Texas, and Rick Perry came. And then in 2011, we did it in South Carolina. And Rick Perry, that's where he announced he was running for president. In August of 2011, Perry announced he would be getting in the presidential race at our event in Charleston. And we kept doing them, and then I left Red State in 2015. The last year, we, we had every presidential candidate except Trump in Atlanta. We had invited him and disinvited him because of the, the Megyn Kelly stuff. It turned out to actually be a bigger deal than I expected at the time. That's what I knew he was going to be a real force to reckon with. Um, uh, we subsequently reconciled, but nonetheless, uh, we had everybody come to Atlanta. And then I left. Um, Trump said I was fired like a dog. The real re I had already resigned. I, I was tired of the job. I was burnt out. I wanted to focus on radio. 
And then several years went by and people started saying, you know, you really need to do this again. You really need to, no one's doing a conference like you did where it's not all the voices who can throw money at it. It's not all the fringe and crazy voices. It's you and your stewardship and you're, you're good enough to, to try to bring in all the perspectives on the right and have these conversations. And one of the things I hated about is they were speeches. People would speak for about 20 minutes and we take 10 minutes from the crowd. And it's like, I wanna do conversations. So in 2018, we started back up and instead of the red state gathering, it was the resurgent at the time. And it was the resurgent gathering and we did it in Texas and we had Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz and uh, Nikki Haley came, Brian Kemp came, um, Marco Rubio came, uh, Tom Cotton, Tim Scott, uh, we had a lot of people come. And then in 2019, we'd moved it back to Atlanta and Mike Pence came, David Perdue, um, Haley again. We we had some outside groups come in. Um, we had the folks from Facebook came in and answered questions about Facebook and uh, targeting people on social media. And, and it's, we've had corporations come in and answer questions and people take questions from the crowd and then COVID hit. And we couldn't do it anymore. And we went through 2020 and 2021 and we couldn't do a conference because of COVID. Nobody felt comfortable. And now we're in 2022. It's too late to do one. But I've decided it's time to bring back the gathering. Now, what makes this different from other conferences is simple. Um, most conservative conferences, someone can pay money to sponsor and they get the stage to do whatever they want. And if they're nuts, you get nuts on stage. And my conference is I sit on the stage the whole day and I take your questions and I weave them into a conversation. So it's the inform- it's the questions you're concerned about and I'm asking these politicians and there's no speechifying. They don't do a big stand-up speech. They got to sit in a chair next to me and answer your questions about the issues you're concerned about. And right now, there's a lot to be concerned about. We, we need answers on how do you handle big tech. The left wants to break them up. I don't, I don't see why you need to break up Facebook, but, but something might need to be done there. Um, I'm concerned about Apple. I'm concerned about Google and, and the flow of information, the controls of information. I'm concerned about China and foreign policy and our dependence on China to manufacture basic products like antibiotics. I'm concerned about education and, and the wokes and, and the cultural pushback that's going on in the country. So I want you to know next year in Atlanta, Georgia, in the fall, we're going to resurrect the gathering. And we will take all of you and me in person, those of you who can come, my online audience, my radio audience, my syndicated column audience, everybody. And we'll get together in Atlanta and we will meet the policymakers and the politicians of America on the right. I am reaching out to a laundry list of people from yes, President Trump, to Vice President Pence, to Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Rick Scott, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Chip Roy, Dan Crenshaw, Brian Kemp, Bill Lee, Glenn Youngkin, Chris Christie, Christy Nome, Mitch McConnell, Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan. I actually had uh, the, the Attorney General of Ohio, great conservative leader, reach out earlier and say, hey, I'd like to come. Uh, I would love to have him on stage. And we're reaching out to some of these corporations too. I think having somebody from Facebook sit on stage and answer questions about what they do. I don't want Twitter there. I don't like Twitter. I don't want Twitter there. But Facebook, they tend to be more friendly to conservatives and they get a bad rap. I'd love to let them answer your questions on stage. See if Apple wants to come. Uh, You you get some of these uh, Petroleum Institute guys in D.C. to come talk to us and make us smarter about energy. 
I want to resurrect the gathering, and I want you there with me. Now, I want to tell you, I do my daily email, and a lot of people subscribe to that email. One of the you get a lot of stuff out of the email. You get a lot of you get the daily show notes. If you're a paid subscriber, seven bucks a month. If you're a paid subscriber, you get the daily show notes. It's all the links to all the stuff that I cover. You get interviews with people no one else gets. I put those in. You get special uh, things that I've written that no one else gets. But one of the other things you get is the early bird discount. We haven't set the price yet, but you will get 50% off the early bird price for a limited time if you're a paid subscriber. And if you want to be a paid subscriber, it'll be well worth your time. If you want to come to the conference, you'll get a really good deal. You can text the word DATA to 33777 and you can sign up. It's 7 bucks a month or $70 a year. We'll make it worth it for the discount. Um, and you'll be first dibs, first dibs on seats, first dibs on coming. I would like to, for those of you who are paid subscribers, do a special event just with the paid subscribers. Time with me at the event. We're working all of this stuff out. We're a year and a month or so away from actually getting it done, but we're going to bring it back. I've had so many people across the nation say, why aren't you doing this again? You're now a national radio syndication. You're read by everybody in Washington. You're on all the TV networks, not just one now. And you should bring your voice and and take the view of an honest broker and bring together the parts of the conservative coalition, particularly as the conservative coalition is fracturing. Uh, you, you've got the conservative coalition is going in all sorts of directions now. Now that Roe is gone, it's starting to break apart. How do we find common ground? And maybe we don't, but let's have those conversations in a, in a fair forum where everybody gets a fair hearing. And so I'll reach out to Donald Trump, say, come on, if you want to run in 2024, come talk to us. You want to, you, you, Mike Pence, you want to run? Come talk. Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo, all of you. Come have a conversation. Come meet the core of the conservative movement in Atlanta. Bring all of you there, and we will, during the noon to three hour, that Friday that we have it, those conversations will be this program. So those of you who can't come, we'll make sure we program around you so you can hear some of those core conversations on the program. But if you want to come and you want the early bird discount before anybody else gets it, uh, consider signing up, being a paid subscriber to my daily email. Just text DATA to 33777. You'll see the very first link goes to my daily email uh, paid subscribers, whether you pay the flat $70 a, uh, for the full year or seven bucks a month, you get the discount. Uh, we're, we'll, we're working on everything. We know it's going to be in Atlanta. We're working on the times. We're working on the dates. We're working on the cost. But what I know is it's time to have conversations about the post-Biden future. And what I know is there are a lot of conservative conferences, and they either play to the very rich donors or they play to anyone who throws money at them. And I don't want one of those conferences. I want to keep costs down for you. And I want to make sure your questions are actually answered. I don't want to play to the donor types of the GOP, but I also don't want to play to the grifters of the GOP. And too many of these conferences have been hijacked by the grifters. And I think if it's just me on stage controlling the flow and the conversations and picking the people who come and we don't have the grifters involved, we're actually going to learn stuff as opposed to the play to play, pay to play nonsense that's taken over so much of the conservative movement. So I hope you'll consider joining me in Atlanta next year. More details will come. I'm a little stressed out about it, 
but I think it needs to happen, and I'd love for you all to be a part of it. Text DATA to 33777. Even if you don't want to pay to subscribe, you can subscribe and get a lot of stuff for free, and you'll still find out a lot of information. Now, I want to go back to the phones. People have been waiting patiently. Jim, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I was saying, you know, I tell people I was born in a swamp, Washington, D.C., <laughs> moved, moved down here and actually served in the Air Force up there at Ben Andrews Air Force Base. So I've, I've seen a whole lot of things from a lot of different things, had the opportunity to work with a whole lot of a lot of different people. So when you were in here talking, I said, oh, my goodness, everybody's upset about everything all the time. <laughs> and I just... You know, it's just amazing to me how we've gotten off track and allowed this uh, so-called virus to take over the world. Because when I came along, everybody was all concerned about infantile paralysis. Yeah. Polio, polio, polio. It, and it was and now it's everything. back. Yeah. Yeah, somebody didn't get their injections. Of course, that's always been true. But, you know, it only headlines because it's a rarity. And, right. Uh, you can find a case here and there or in another country. But right. didn't make headlines. <laughs> and 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 the whole world is doomed and we gotta give up our air conditioner and there's a lot right. of the, the entire environmental movement feels like it's designed to make us miserable and scared. <laughs> yeah, we moved here by the end of the first summer. We didn't have air conditioning and everything in the house house was mildewed. And we oh, spent gosh. the summer with the little with the little kids out on the back porch <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, you, you know, it, 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 the, the air conditioning invention, Jim, I'll, I'll, I got to take one more call before I go, but I appreciate it. Yeah, air conditioning, it's a good thing. Why does the left want to vilify it? I, I don't understand. All right, one more Jim here. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Well, about maybe 10 years ago or so, I was talking to a couple of buddies who are very good guys, but that day they were giving me some grief about being a bit skeptical about man-made global warming ruining the planet. And so finally I said, look, I said, I don't like pollution. So my last car, uh, I reluctantly bought a four-cylinder again. And I wasn't real happy about it, but I thought, look, I don't like it. i got to do something about it. What have you guys done about global warming? How many cylinders does your car have? And one of them just said, well, six, but i got to have six. I thought, no, uh-uh. And there you go. If you really believe in something, you at least have to act on it. And it's, these guys do act on a lot of their beliefs. But that one was a little, they kind of missed the mark on that one. But that's what I see from, you know, extreme versions of that of John Kerry flying to a global warming conference in his own jet and thinking it's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, the I mean, you know what what's her name? Um oh, who's the actress? Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Uh <laughs> she actually is a true believer. She doesn't travel anymore. She actually has solar panels and a windmill on her property to power her house. She composts everything. Um she's a true believer that it's bad and you got to act like it. So she you can't get her to fly. 
Um, if she drives, she'll drive in a Tesla that's charged on her power grid that she makes around. And good for her. Listen, I, I disagree with her, but God bless her. She really believes it and she acts like yeah. it. Contrast her with a uh, global warming champion, Leonardo DiCaprio, who flies on his private plane around the world, uh, screws around on big yachts in Europe, uh, wants all of us to give up our lifestyle, but he himself thinks he's better than the rest of us and won't actually act like it. Daryl Hannah's a true believer. She genuinely believes this stuff and has changed her life as a result. The rest of these people, they're all posers and they want you to give up your stuff, but God forbid they ever give up their stuff. Right now, you're having to give up a lot because of the economy. There was a story out the other day that uh, rich people, for the first time, it happened overnight, are suddenly realizing they got to make cutbacks, and it's causing people uh, to panic, realtors and others. And you're probably in an even bigger situation with your retirement. You might want to reach out to my friends at GoldCo and see if precious metals can help ease what's going on in your retirement portfolio as the markets swing back and forth. Uh, GoldCo has been helping thousands of Americans, and if you call them at 855 855- 904-5933. They'll send you a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees have been helping them, and many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call them, see if you qualify for their offer, 855-904-5933, or text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I'll send you back their toll-free number. Breaking news, Steve Bannon has been found guilty of contempt of Congress in court. He will face a mandatory minimum sentence of 30 days incarceration, could go up to an entire year in prison and fined between $100,000 and $100,000. He's going to appeal, uh, but he didn't mount a defense. I find that interesting. Uh, he mounted no defense at all in the case uh, and was very vocal that he would refuse to comply. It was only later that he claimed it was because of executive privilege and got a letter from Trump saying he was waiving executive privilege. But that's not actually how you do these things. Um, if you are subpoenaed by Congress, you show up and say, uh, there's executive privilege, you can't answer. And they ask you a question, you say, I'm sorry, this is protected by executive privilege, I can't answer. Uh, Bannon didn't want to do that. He didn't want to show up, and so now he's going to go to prison. Um, and never mounted a defense. And I think that's going to actually impact this on appeal, that uh, there was there was no defense. There, were, there was no um, – he, he didn't try to even make an argument in court other than in the closing statement. Uh, so he'll go to prison, he'll be declared a martyr, and – uh, he will start sending fundraising grifty emails out to people saying, oh, I'm going to jail. Please send me money to fight my appeal. And a lot of people will get taken advantage of. Him. I'm not a big Steve Bannon fan, if you can tell. Um, I think he's been part of the problem. Um, and the president became much more successful president when Bannon was gone. Um, and did a lot more for the country after Bannon left his team. And, well, we'll see what goes on uh, with that. But that's the breaking news. Steve Bannon is going to prison. He was found guilty by a federal jury in a very quick trial where the Bannon team offered legitimately zero defense at all to the claims. Now, I got to circle back to something that I said earlier because I find it very notable that if you're just tuning in and you want the breaking news headline of the day that has suddenly Democrats alarmed, it's that the battleground poll is out. The battleground poll is conducted by Joe Biden and Donald Trump's pollsters together as a bipartisan poll in 56 swing districts of the country. And they have polled Georgia. 
Brian Kemp beating Stacey Abrams in Brian Kemp's poll by five points, in the battleground poll by seven points, and the Republicans nationwide on the generic ballot in swing states, four-point advantage. The wave is coming, and Democrats are starting to freak out.